Good morning. My name is Mike Guffey, if you don't remember me from 2020 when I was here. Uh, I came to fill in for uh, Dr. Bob Howell then, who was taking a sabbatical, and Brian Gilmer has taken a much-deserved and needed sabbatical now, and I'm here to fill in for him. Not six months as last time, but three months. I enjoy it, I really do, but I, I have been retired six years. And, and I enjoy retirement too, but certainly good to see all of you again. Uh, my wife is here today, and I want her to stand. She'll be coming to worship here. When you stand, let everybody look at you, which I know you love. <laughs> uh, we've been married over little 51 years, I think, now, and uh, I hope I got that right. And uh, we have a great marriage and a great life, and she will be attending some. She wants to get to know you, and I hope you all have that opportunity. And then our daughter and her family are here today. Our daughter Ashley, today's her birthday. And her husband's Chris and uh, granddaughter Lexi and uh, granddaughter Stone. And uh, we're going to celebrate Ashley's birthday today after worship at a restaurant downtown. So uh, if you see her, wish her a happy birthday. There's, she's seated back there, my wife Winnie. But good to be with you again. Last time when I was here, COVID stroke, st- struck and... Uh, I was the one who wrote that letter to the church and said, hey, we're not going to have worship or programs or ministry for the foreseeable future, which happened. I know Dr. Coots and Dr. Young had been telling me that was coming. It was going to be very serious. And I started getting a lot of emails from Dr. Coots on a Thursday afternoon, and I read a lot of them. And then he called me the next morning on Friday. He said, you need to close church right now. I'm like, what? It's the strangest thing. Uh, So I wrote a letter to the church said we were closing. I sent the letter to Stacy in the church office said, send this out right away. She sent me a text back and said, are you kidding? You're kidding me, aren't you? And I said, no, I'm not. But we closed the church, and I think you guys got started back up with worship and program in person again sometime in August or September. But thank God that's over. The worst of it's over, and I hope we don't have any of that while I'm here. But good to be with you again, and our scripture lesson this morning is uh, taken from John's Gospel, the fourth chapter, and I want to read verses 4 through 26. Now he had to go through Samaria, and so he came to a town named Sychar, near Jacob's well. And Jesus was tired from his journey, and he sat down by the well. It was about noon, and a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus, watching her pull up the bucket and pour it into her jar, seeing that refreshing water, asked her for a drink. And the woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews and Samaritans did not associate with one another. And Jesus answered her, He said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is asking you for a drink, You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, she said, you have nothing with which to draw water. You have no bucket. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself along with his livestock? Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks the water will get thirsty again. But whosoever drinks the water that I give them will never be thirsty again. Indeed, the water that I give them will become a spring of water welling up in them to eternal life. 
And the woman said to Jesus, Sir, give me some of this water so that I may not get thirsty again and not have to make this long trip out to the well every day. And Jesus told her, Go get your husband and come back. We'll talk. She said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, You've spoken correctly for the man you're living with now is not your husband. The woman said, Sir, I see you're a prophet. Jesus said, Believe me, a time is coming when we will worship neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And then the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. And Jesus said, I am he. Then leaving the water jar, the woman went back to town and she talked to the people. And she said, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this man be the Messiah? And they all came out to Jacob's well and made their way to Jesus. May God add his blessing to this reading of his most holy word. I want you to think for a moment the places that you like to gather with people. Maybe it's around the water fountain at work. Or maybe it's at a breakfast place where you enjoy having breakfast with friends and talking, or maybe lunch. Or maybe it's sitting down at Starbucks for a cup of coffee and having conversation. You know, one of the things I missed when I retired six years ago was the socialization with other people. And I found myself longing for that, longing to be with people, longing to talk to people, longing to hear what they had to say. You know, when we get together like that, we share our hopes and our dreams, don't we? We share the things of life, our fears and our worries. Sometimes we even gossip a little bit, don't we? And we all fall into that temptation. We might as well be honest here in the season of Lent and confess that. <laughs> but if a visitor wanted to know what made the people in Sychar tick, they would go out to Jacob's well and watch and listen to the people. The women went there early in the morning. They brought their water jars to fill them and take them back home. And while they were filling the water jars, while they were drawing it out of the well, they would talk. They would enjoy fellowship. They would enjoy community. And in that arid landscape, that well was so essential, so essential. You know, we all had to have water every day or we'll die. And they had to have water. They needed water to water their crops. They needed water to nourish their animals. People needed to drink water. And this well provided water, but it also provided a lot more. It provided a place of socialization, a place to be with people, a place to spend time together. After I retired, I, I joined a breakfast group of men in our community. And periodically we get together and have breakfast. And we talk about sports and politics and the troubles of the world, which that's a lot, there's a lot you can say about that now. But um, it's great. And I love that. I need that. We need that. You need that. Problem is, the little restaurant where we got together in Greer to eat burned down two weeks ago. So I don't know what we're going to do now. We'll have to find a new place. But I love to get together like that with people. And Jesus and his disciples were traveling a hot, dusty road. Uh, they went up from Judea to Galilee. And Jesus was tired and hot, and he sits down by this well. 
And then this, this Samaritan woman comes and he's watching her pour water out of the well and he said, will you give me something to drink? And she said, what? He said, will you give me something to drink? And she said, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan and we don't have anything to do with one another. And that was right. They had had a 400 year battle about worship. One worshiped in one place, one worshiped in another place. They didn't worship the same way and they were angry at one another. And she was shocked that Jesus would, would say that. And if you were a Samaritan and you're walking down the street and you saw a Jew, you just hold your head up and walk by. You don't even look at those people. Another thing about it is that Jesus was a man and she was a woman and men and women didn't associate like that. But you know, Jesus came to break down barriers. He came to unite people. He came to welcome anybody that would come, no matter what your background was, no matter what your sins were, or anything like that. Jesus was no respecter of people. Jesus wanted to welcome people. And this woman, though, was startled. You know, she said, you're not on, she didn't say this, but the implication is that Jesus was a rabbi. They called him rabbi. And rabbis didn't talk to women in public. You just didn't do that. It'd ruin your reputation. A rabbi wouldn't even speak to their wife or their daughter in public. They didn't want to hurt that precious reputation that they had. But Jesus responded to this woman. He said, if you knew who it is that's talking to you, you would ask me to give you some living water. I have a good friend in Charleston who called me last night. He's retired and he's filling in at a church like I am. And he said, you preaching on that text with a woman at the well tomorrow? And I said, yeah. He said, what does living water really mean? I said, I think it means the love of God offered to people, the forgiveness that God offers us. I think it means that uh, Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins, and that living water is that new life that we find in Christ. And he said, well, I guess you're right. You're right. But it's kind of tough, isn't it, living water? You know, I love that um, fountain in your columbarium. And I look at it outside the senior minister's office, and it's this big water jar, big water jar. And water's just flowing out of it, never ending. Uh, Grover Putman told me this morning, never turn that off. It's always going, always going. And I remember when it was flooding with water last time I was here. That's living water. That's moving water. That's what we would say here on earth. But what Jesus was talking about is life-giving water. Gives us new life in Christ. At this point, the woman thought a minute. She said, well... Maybe I would have some of your living water. Maybe I, I'd never thirst again. Maybe I'd never come out here to this well and have to fill these jars again. Yeah, give me some of that water. And yet there's something in Jesus' offers that she observes is deeper than just water, about this new life in Christ. And perhaps she even allows herself a moment to think that maybe this shriveled soul of mine can get this water and maybe I won't feel like I do. So worthless. You know, why did she go to the water at noon? That's when she went. The other women went at morning. She was an outcast. She wasn't worthy, they didn't think. She would walk out to the well at noon. They'd point fingers at her. They'd gossip about her. Some of the men would offer her cat calls. She was an unworthy woman and she felt unworthy. And, and she needed something. And so she said, sir, give me this water you're talking about. But then Jesus changes the course of the conversation. He says, well, go get your husband. And she said, I have no husband. 
He said, indeed you don't. You're living with a man you're not married to, and you've been married five times already. There's no telling how many marriages she would have had if she hadn't met Jesus at Jacob's well that day. I read a book one time called Reframing by Don Capps, and it's a book about pastoral counseling. And the main point of that book is that when you do pastoral counseling, and I've done a lot of it, that you have to get to the real issue. You know, people will come in and they'll talk, and, but they won't really tell you what the real problem is. You have to draw it out of them. And Jesus was so good of drawing this woman's, the real issue, out of her. She felt unworthy. She felt like an outcast because she had been married five times and was living with a man she wasn't married to. She knew that was wrong. You know, I had a man in a church I served called me one day and he said, can you talk to me? And I said, sure. And we made an appointment and he came into the church office and, and we sat down and we talked a little while, but we weren't getting to the real issue. And I said, well, I see you and your family in church every day. He said, yeah, we're Christians. We come to church every day, every Sunday. He said, you know, I'm an unhappy man. He said, I own my own business and I make a lot of money. He said, that's not the problem. He said, I have a wonderful wife. He said, I have two daughters. He said, I have a beautiful home, a home at the beach. I've got everything anybody could want, but I'm miserable. And I said, well, you're a Christian? Well, we come to church on Sunday. I said, are you a Christian? Are you a disciple? Are you a follower of Christ? And he really didn't understand what I was talking about. And for the next five weeks, he came to my office and we talked about that. We went through the scriptures and we talked about God's love and God's grace and God, how God loves everybody and how our sins are no obstacle between us and God. At the end of five weeks, he said, I, I'm a church member, but I wasn't a Christian. I said, no. And he confessed his sins. He confessed his faith in Christ. He accepted that living water that Christ offers. And he said, I'm going to do better. I'm going to be a follower of Christ, not just a church member. I said, good. And he came back a couple of weeks later. He said, I need some help. I need some help to get me through this, get me through this change I want to make. I said, well, we're, we're starting Disciple Bible Study in a couple of weeks. You need to take Disciple Bible Study. He said, I will. And I said, it's, it's 34 weeks long. I said, you have to meet two hours. The group will meet two hours once a week. You have to read scripture every day and commentary every day. Okay, I will. And he came to me in December and he said, boy, I'm loving Disciple Bible Study. I've never read the Bible before, he said. I said, you're drinking that living water, aren't you? He said, yeah. He came to me at the end of the 34 weeks and he said, could I teach Disciple Bible Study next year? And I said, I see no reason you can't. And he started teaching Disciple Bible Study. And I moved to another church and I was gone for a while. And when I retired and we moved back to Greenville, we were going to put a fence in across our backyard, our neighbors and us, and split the cost. That was a great thing for us. And she called me one day. The lady said, I've got a man over here to talk about building us a fence. I said, okay. And I went over there, and it was the man that, that I'm talking about. And we hugged each other. I said, are you still teaching disciple Bible study? Eighteen years later, he said, Yes. And he experienced change. He had new life. He had vitality. He had peace. 
He had satisfaction. He had everything that was lacking before. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to the woman at the well. You know, you need this living water. You need this relationship with Christ. And not just one on Sunday. You need one every day of the week. You need to read your Bibles. You need to pray. You need to be in a study group with people. And that will, that will change our lives. It really will. And so at noon one day, the great I Am shows up at the well, at Jacob's well in Sychar, and he talks to a woman. And this woman, after they had talked for a while, she drops her water jar, she leaves them there, she goes back into the town of Sychar. She went to the people she was ashamed to be in front of before, and she said, listen to me. I met a man who told me everything I ever did. Can he be the Messiah? Come and see. And the people in the town flooded out to the well. And met Christ. We're not told what happened after that, but I believe a lot of them became Christians, followers of Jesus, disciples, and I think they were experiencing new life in Christ. You know, this is the season of Lent. It's a good time for you and me to think about our relationship with Christ. And it's possible, yeah, we just are church members. We come to church on Sunday. We're regular. We're in our pew every week, but maybe we're missing something like that man was. And this is a good time. Lynn is about self-examination. And maybe this is a good time to really do some self-examination about our relationship with God, our relationship with Christ, and are we really a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ every day of our life? I would urge you to do that, and I want to do that myself. And maybe we'll get through with the season of Lynn, and maybe we'll have a closer relationship with Christ. I hope that for all of us. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for today, a Sabbath, a day of worship. I give you thanks for this beautiful sanctuary that we have to worship in with many inspiring symbols. And I give you thanks for your word today, the story of the woman at the well, the story of living water and new life in Christ. And I pray during the Lenten season that we'll all open ourselves more and more to drinking from that living water that we might be your faithful disciples, the people you call us to be, and that we might witness to the world of your goodness, your love, your forgiveness, and your glory. For we offer our prayer in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.